Welcome to Off Center, the podcast about digital narrative and algorithmic narrativity. My name is Scott Retberg, and I'm the director of the Center for Digital Narrative at the University of Bergen. In this podcast, I'll have conversations with the researchers at the Center, as well as other experts in the field to discuss topics revolving around digital storytelling and its impact on contemporary culture. Today is the first ever podcast off-center, a series from the Center for Digital Narrative. My name is Scott Retberg, and I'm here today with Jill Retberg. And I'm Jill Walker-Retberg, co-director of the Center for Digital Narrative. In this podcast, we'll tell you all about how we got to this point of launching a research center of excellence in digital narrativity. Welcome to our podcast, and don't forget to follow us and stay up to date about our next episodes. All right, let's dive right into it. I guess maybe we should both talk a little bit about how we arrived at uh, digital narrative as a subject or a topic of interest, uh, which eventually led to this center. Maybe you could talk about your early experiences of hypertext, of different kinds of storytelling that you encountered. Well, when I was a kid in the 80s, my dad was a programmer and I loved to read. We had a computer at home and I played Zork and I think you did too, didn't you, about that time? Yeah, that was actually what got me into working with computers to begin with was the opportunity to uh, have a computer game that I could write to and that would write back to me. Because the way you can explore stories, you know, discover things. I love those hint books. Did you have those at all? When you got stuck and you couldn't figure out how to get through the twisty little passages or whatever. Didn't have those, but we did have some grid paper where we'd actually draw out the uh, the maps of the dungeons and try to figure out where we were and where the Hall of the Mountain King was. Oh, we did that too, which is a very different way of thinking about a story than just reading a book. Then in the 90s, I got access to um, computers at the university I was at and the internet, and I discovered hypertext fiction. How did, how did you discover that? Well, it was kind of funny because I remember the day uh, I was doing my master's degree and I actually remember the, the day I was in a class that was sort of focused on desktop publishing and the teacher came in and said, you got to see uh, what they just did down at the University of Illinois because uh, I was at Illinois State University uh, and he showed us Mosaic. Uh, the first web browser. And I'd done things with, you know, with email and fetch and things like that before. But when I saw uh, a web browser and I saw that you could publish text and you could publish images and you could distribute it around the world instantaneously, um, I thought, this is it. This is, this is something I want to be working with now. And then I started working for an internet company actually very early on doing a website about authors. Originally, I started doing my own website called Books and Chains about literature. And then I, then I was hired by this sort of nascent internet company uh, to set up a, a website about literature. That must have been exciting. Yeah, and I sort of stumbled into hypertext uh, via that, um, uh, via reading about that and then doing a story about hypertext. And I said to a group of friends, let's try writing one of these. Because we, we both studied literature, although I was in comparative literature, whereas you were um, doing creative writing as well, right? Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, and eventually eventually comparative literature too. And I think the, the exciting thing for me was the connection to the types of stories I was interested in reading and writing, kind of coming out of the, the postmodernism uh, that was uh, a strand of American fiction in the 1980s, uh, 1990s, 
1970s, where people were rearranging stories and, and rethinking the framing of stories, uh, uh, rethinking points of view, rethinking orders of stories, uh, rethinking ways that you could tell stories to sort of break the frame and, and represent it. And I really saw hypertext doing that. Mm. So I wrote my master's thesis on uh, on hypertext in comparative literature, went on to do a PhD on digital stories and art. While you were busy uh, setting up the Electronic Literature Organization. Yeah, after we wrote The Unknown, this hypertext novel about a book tour, uh, it won an award and I met the, the novelist uh, Robert Coover. Um, as well as some internet capitalists at this very uh, strange event that was technologists and writers uh, together. And we decided to, to work together to start a nonprofit organization focused on uh, electronic literature that's now... 24 years old, I think? That dates me, but it's, uh, yeah, 24 years old. Yeah. Um, so that's still kind of central to a field. Uh, and then I taught in a, a new media studies program that I that I helped to start. And then uh, I was enticed over here to Bergen. I was very pleased. By a woman who I loved. Um, Did you back then ever think you'd start a center for research excellence on digital narrative? Well, you know, in a way, it doesn't surprise me too much. I did, uh, when I first got here to Bergen, we organized uh, a European research project called ELMSIP, Electronic Literature is a Model of Creativity and Innovation and Practice. You're always great with the acronyms. <laughs> it just rolls off the tongue. Um, but that was a gathering of European researchers on a collaborative research uh, project that really brought together a bunch of different perspectives on, on digital storytelling and, and digital poetics and resulted in a database that remains central to the field, the electronic literature knowledge base. And I've sort of always thought of what you and I have been doing uh, together in the digital culture program, bringing in uh, guest researchers, bringing in visiting PhDs, uh, hiring uh, people who really bring different perspectives on digital narrative and, and from different fields. In a way, I sort of always thought that we were building a center. So when the opportunity came up to apply for a Norwegian Center of Research Excellence, um, I remember thinking this is a big long shot, um, <laughs> but why not? Why shouldn't, we, why shouldn't we throw our hats in the ring? So I know you've explained this many times before, but electronic literature, I'm sure some people listening won't know won't really know what that is. I would say essentially electronic literature is new forms of literature that utilize the affordances of the computer, of the network, of the digital cultural context uh, in the creation of new kinds of literary experiences, um, new kinds of storytelling. So Zork that we played in the 80s is an example of electronic literature? So Zork is an example of electronic literature. And in fact, you could go back to the very beginnings of computing. Um, to uh, There were contemporaries of, of Alan Turing, uh, Christopher, uh, Christopher Strachey, uh, who wrote uh, The Love Letter Generator, this, this little computer program that generated sort of absurdist uh, love letters. And that, that's 1952, back in the, right? 1952. Mm. Um, so that's, we're now looking at a pretty long history over, mm. uh, over 70 years uh, of electronic literature, which has been more prevalent in the last, say, 20 to 30 years. Uh, still a minority field, I'd say, in terms of uh, when people think of the literary mainstream, um, but a fascinating field of experimentation. So, so we both came to digital narrative through electronic literature, video games a bit, 
Um, but what would you say, what do you think having a Centre for Digital Narrative lets us do that if it was just about video games or just electronic literature? Well, look, work? I think back in the 1990s, as, as you'll recall, you were one of the organisers of the Digital Arts and Culture Conference. With Espen Orset, who Espen. was my advisor when I was a PhD student. Yeah, a pioneering um, theorist. Of video games, cybertext. Yeah, eventually sort of helped found the field of, of game studies. Um, and at that time, uh, you were able to bring together a conference where you would have people who are studying the digital from a cultural perspective, people who are studying digital art, people who are studying computer games, people who are studying um, electronic literature, people who are studying uh, the beginnings of the, of the Internet and what was happening on the culture there. And you were able to bring them all together in one place to exchange ideas. Now, what happened over time was those fields sort of split off and became their own fields. Um, and in a way, we, we've generated a huge amount of knowledge in all these fields. But what we want to do is bring those fields back together and focus specifically on this question of algorithmic narrativity. Mm. We'd probably be able to explain that too, hadn't we? Yeah, we should. <laughs> You're throwing it back to me. <laughs> so. Narrative is clearly one of the really important ways humans make sense of the world and of ourselves. This is this is one of the premises for the center. Mm -hmm. And with digital technology, this is changing a lot. Like the ways we tell stories are just changing. The fact that, you know, kids are experiencing stories in video games or um, in fan fiction and in social media and not just in books and, and movies. It makes a difference. And we call it yeah. algorithmic narrativity because it's narrative. I mean, people have been telling stories since the Stone Age, well, long before the Stone Ages, yeah, I would imagine. Yeah. But now these algorithms, AIs of different kinds, are, are influencing that. Yeah, not only influencing, I'd say maybe even structuring it. Yeah. I mean, some theorists would argue that the uh, machines are structuring our thoughts, right? Oh. Um, <laughs> this, this is something that the, the theorist Friedrich Kittler um, said when he was talking about Nietzsche uh, switching uh, from handwritten manuscripts to to typewriting. Uh, this is something that Nietzsche said was that the the way that he wrote changed as a result of the change in technologies. And now, of course, we're literally looking at technologies that completely restructure language. Whatever we want to say about artificial intelligence, uh, it's reacting to us in, in a different way. Uh, than other sorts of text technologies did before. Um, but I think also we can think about um, algorithmic narrativity in, in broader ways. For example, if we look at the elections uh, that we've had in recent years, mm. uh, and we look at the way that certain narratives uh, have been propagated. Um, so if you look at how, how was Donald Trump elected anyway? And what, what is this QAnon? I mean, that's a narrative, this sprawling, crazy, absurdist narrative that many people bought into and then changed their political affiliations uh, as a result. Yeah, and certain narratives are more likely to be promoted in social media because of the way recommendation algorithms work. And and people, uh, you know, we don't just have... We have people actually trying to optimize what they put on social media so that it will get spread more easily and stuff. Yeah, and if you think about, for example, memes, uh, who would have thought uh, 20 years ago that uh, that silly pictures with a <laughs> caption underneath them would become one of the most prominent forms of political discourse? Yeah. 
this is crazy, and, and yet it's a it's a form of, of digital narrative. So we'd be studying memes as well at the Center for Digital Narrative. Uh, certainly, that that might be one of the forms that we engage with when we look at how uh, ideas and narratives spread uh, around social media. Mm. And then, of course, uh, computer games. Yeah, they're huge. They're the the dominant form. Maybe you'd say the dominant form of expression in our age, and certainly a dominant form of, of entertainment. Um, much of culture, if we look uh, maybe at a generation after ours, uh, and certainly the generation after that, our, our children's generation, this is a social space. It's an entertainment space, but it's also where people, you know, get together with their friends in, in the way that, that maybe uh, we used to have Sandlot, you know, baseball games uh, when I was a kid or, or play tag or, or Vietnam War. That was strange. We actually uh, played. <laughs> you played Vietnam War. <laughs> <laughs> it was like a sad kind of tag. Yeah. So I think one of the projects uh, in our in our center is going to be Christine Jorgensen's separately funded project with the, the National Research Council, but understanding male gamers. This is going to be a kind of specific zeroing in on the ways that games shape male identity in the ways that young men mm. um, in a way are shaped by the way that they that they play these games and the way that they play with each other. Oh, we haven't talked about computational narrative systems. Nick would be disappointed. Oh, don't worry. We can talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we should just talk a bit about what the center will actually be like. There's yeah. going to be these five nodes, right? Scott, you'll be leading, um, well, you'll be directing it mm -hmm. to start with, also leading the, uh, the... Extending digital narrative. Thank you. Um, I'll be leading a node on social media narratives. Nick Monfort will be leading a node on computational narrative systems. So this is like uh, ways in which you can program systems that generate narratives uh, in various ways. And Nick is a professor uh, at MIT and a 20% uh, professor with us. So we're, yeah. we're very lucky to have him. Mm. Yeah. And of course, uh, extended digital narrative, we're going to be looking at these new environments mm -hmm. like AI. How does narrative function in AI? Like extended reality environments. Although maybe the, the metaverse might be coming a, a thing of the past very quickly. But I think it's it's still worth looking at in terms of thinking about how do these enhanced sensory environments yeah. change the way that we we experience stories. And also things like conversational narratives. Mm. Um, you think back to our early experiences of Zork. Well, now we're able to actually talk to these devices, to these mm. computers, and they answer back to us in a voice that's very much like a human voice. And that changes the nature of the interface profoundly. Yeah. And then we've got the two other nodes, too, that we uh, mentioned earlier. There's one on video games, led by Christina Jorgensen, and one on electronic literature, led by Joe Tabby. And, yeah, and to reiterate the social media narratives node, which, mm -hmm. which you are, are leading. Yes. Okay, great. Well, I think that's a good introduction to the center in terms of the scale of it. Yeah, it's, what's it going to look like? We're going to have our own building. I know. I sort is, of want to bring everyone and show them the building. <laughs> yeah, me too. I'm looking forward to it. We, we do need to build it out a little bit. We need to kick some people out. But one of the fascinating things is that this is going to be one of the oldest buildings on campus mm -hmm. uh, that we're going to be adapting, updating, bringing in, uh, bringing in some labs. We're going to have some, uh, you know, of course, a gaming lab. We're going to have uh, some spaces for, for presentations. It's going to be uh, very collaboration-oriented. Uh, mm -hmm. But even more important than that, I think, is the people yeah. um, that we're bringing in. In addition to these sort of node leaders, we have 
uh, 20% professors who are working with each node. And, and these range from people like uh, Rafael Perez y Perez, who's uh, an expert on computational narrative systems in, in Mexico City, who's written programs that, that tell stories, uh, to, uh, to Lai Chi Fan, who's, who's done a lot of work with um, uh, electronic literature from a feminist perspective and looking at the ways that... Um, the conversational interfaces uh, shape us. We have Lynn Preet will be working with me on the social media narrative. She's an expert on visual narratives and social media um, here in Norway. And Doris Rush will be working with Christina on the games node. She's a, a, a games studies expert in Sweden. In Sweden, yeah. And we have in uh, Canada, uh, Caitlin Fisher, who's a, a long-term storyteller in experimental mm. uh, environments like XR and VR. And then we're going to have PhD students and postdocs. I just uh, met our, our first PhD student who's been hired, Tegan mm-hmm. Pike. I was just showing her around a bit today. She arrived this week. We're very excited. Yeah, and she's going to be trying to expand the reach of the field of, of uh, electronic literature specifically to bring in voices from other parts uh, of the world. Mm. Uh, and we're going to be starting with eight PhD students, uh, two postdocs. Um, with the XDN project, there's going to be David Javed Johnston, who's a, a, an AI expert and poet who actually uh, did a poetry project with AI back in 2017, where he trained a corpus, uh, a, a machine learning system with a corpus of tons of poetry scraped from the internet, classic poetry. And then every month for a year, he published a book of poems that he edited from the output of those programs, a 12-volume set of poetry that's actually pretty good. I've got to say, you know, the way that AI and large language models have have just launched so hugely in the last half year, it's really exciting to be starting a Center for Digital Narrative at this exact time. Yeah, uh, you know, it's amazing because uh, when I first wrote that XDN uh, proposal for the Extending Digital Narrative Project, Uh, three years ago. I remember the first reviewer's comments uh, they had in the section on AI, they had it sort of circled. uh, Are there any examples of this? (laughs) (laughs) They wouldn't question that today. Is this really going to be a thing? Uh, So the the explosion of activity in that area and all of the the different perspectives on it um, right now, uh, it's amazing serendipity. Mm. Should we talk a little bit about what kinds of research we'll be doing? Yeah. Although we're really going to have to take, like, you know, it will take us years to explain all that. (laughs) (laughs) About 10. All right. (laughs) Yeah, because we're launching this summer, summer 23, and it's a 10-year center. We're funded for 10 years. We got um, about 15 million euros from the Norwegian Research Council. So, yeah, it's going to be really exciting. It sounds better in Krona. (laughs) <laughs> 150,000. Well, I can't million, say million. 155 million krona. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, but anyway, the, the sorts of research we're going to be doing range from traditional humanistic research, where we're actually just reading works mm-hmm. uh, and writing about them in, in historical literary context, comparing them to uh, conventional literary genres, to uh, focus groups, uh, working with, uh, you know, studying, studying male gamers and in their own voices. And the thing that I'm very excited about is experimental research where we're actually working with creative writers and digital artists and exploring the potentialities of of these new forms for storytelling, seeing how they affect us, how they affect our consciousness, our sensory apparatus, 
our experiences of narrative, our affect in different ways. So really ranging from qualitative survey-based research to documentary research, database-driven research, visualization, mm. um, to that kind of creative experimental yeah. research. One of the things Centers for Excellence is supposed to do is train this new generation of young researchers and building that really collaborative space for humanities-based research that's collaborative and and really, you know, using you know, the many centuries, millennia of humanities knowledge about narrative to really throw light on these new digital technologies. I think that's going to be really exciting. Yeah, I think that's exciting and also uh, important because when people think about uh, the digital and they think about what sorts of education uh, can you get in the digital, people tend to think, oh, computer science is the way that you go and you get a degree and you do research on computation. And, of course, that's really important um, that we have people who can engage with code, who can theorize new ways of writing computer programs. But if we lose our perspective on how it's affecting humans, mm. on how we interact as a society, how we tell stories to each other, and how it impacts the way that we think, mm. we'd be losing a lot. So, so I think the fact that this is a humanities and social science-driven uh, research center that focuses on the what I call the human function. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm still not quite sure about that, Scott. <laughs> In computational creativity mm. Uh, mm. Is, is very important. Yeah. Yeah, I think the, the humanities just has so much to offer and the social sciences, and it's just really clear that, that we need that aspect. And so I'm really hoping this will help us really build that next generation of scholars who have that, that knowledge and can actually apply our, our knowledge to the development and use of new technology in society. As well as hackers, of course. <laughs> sure. And then, but it, so this is a research center. So we've also talked a bit about the relationship to teaching because we'll be working with PhD students, with postdocs and with senior researchers. But we also have the teaching programs in digital culture and Christina and her colleagues at Infomedia have um, various programs there too. Yeah, and we're already planning on ways where we'll be integrating our research into the curriculum. Part of the reason we're doing a podcast is that there's going to be so many experts passing through town as a result of the center's activities. And we're going to harness that in integrating our students into the work of the center. Uh, we already have master's students who are working as, uh, as research assistants. We already have interns coming in from other European countries uh, visiting PhD researchers. We're going to be doing biannual PhD summer school mm. um, that'll be both for our students and for other uh, students from around the world. So, yeah, I, I really think, you know, we, we said it in the grant, but I really think it's true that one of the main things that we're doing is training the next generation of digital narrative researchers. And yeah. that's uh, going to be a big part of the, of the legacy mm. uh, of the center. Mm. So this is the first of uh, a series of podcasts that, um, that you're going to be hosting. Could you say a little bit more about what, uh, what you're looking at going forward um, in the podcast series? Yeah, essentially what I'm hoping to do is first start with the PIs of the center, with the principal investigators, 
who are all experts in different aspects of digital narrative. So I'll be talking with Christina about transgressive games mm. and about the Understanding Male Gamers Project. I'll be talking with Nick Montfort about the history of text generation systems and uh, maybe debate with him the merits of ChatGPT uh, <laughs> versus uh, some of the systems that he's uh, participated in authoring over the years in that tradition. I'll be talking with uh, Jason Nelson, who's one of our colleagues who uses computer games as a medium for digital poetry and for, for digital narrative. I'll be talking with Joseph Tabby about the connections between electronic literature and traditions of the past, like the, the epic or lyric poetry. Uh, how do we compare and contrast these things? We'll also be talking about databases, uh, about how we build the infrastructure yeah. uh, of a research field, which is something that we've, we've all been deeply involved with. We'll be meeting a bunch of uh, writers and, and digital artists over the course of this podcast, uh, people like Rob Wittig, who developed uh, NetProv, uh, a new form of network-based improvisation where large groups of people uh, write the equivalent of, of a novel together. So essentially, we'll be doing that. And I also hope that we'll be responding to a lot of the issues that are coming up now. Certainly, we think of AI, but uh, the, the next time an, an election comes around, uh, we'll probably be talking about the ways that, that narratives are shaped there. Every day when I look at the newspaper now, there's a new story about digital culture. And in fact, there's probably a dozen new stories. So a lot of the research that we're doing right now is engaging with cultural impacts that mm -hmm. we're feeling also right now. And we'll be trying to bring that to light. And the other thing I'd say is that we're calling this, uh, this podcast Off Center. Uh, and the reason for that is that I think we often encounter academics as sort of removed, often some, some ivory tower uh, away from everyday life. And what I'm hoping is that we're going to be able to encounter researchers and artists working in this field as people and look at the sort of odd side of digital culture. The uh, odd side of digital culture? <laughs> yeah, the things that we normally don't think about or talk about uh, in an academic environment, mm -hmm. things like funny memes, right, and how that's that's shaping our our culture, but try to take a slightly different angle to the questions that we're addressing and to present it in a different way than we do in things like research papers mm. or conferences. Um, and that goes along with what we're trying to do at the center through things like exhibitions, where we're going to be trying to reach other kinds of audiences than you would if you were just publishing peer-reviewed yeah. journal articles. And we'll have a news newsletter in the show notes. I'm sure there'll be a link to the newsletter where people can keep up with all the different kinds of uh, research and different products that are coming out of the center. I can't wait. All I've been doing so far is hiring people and navigating things through university bureaucracies. So the fact that we are hiring all these brilliant people, I just had some interviews today with uh, research technologists, one of whom will be working with the center. But bringing that all together and having a, an administrative staff uh, to handle some of these sides of it and to really focus on these fascinating questions and this research and creation that we're going to be doing for the next decade is tremendously exciting. Yeah. Okay, well, thank you very much, Jill. And uh, I hope you'll come back 
some other time where we can focus more exclusively and directly uh, on your research, like the fascinating Machine Vision project. Yeah. You have been listening to the first episode of the podcast made for you by the Center for Digital Narrative, a research center of excellence at the University of Bergen. Next episode, we'll have Joseph Tabby as a guest. He leads one of the research nodes of the Center for Digital Narrative focused on electronic literature here at the University of Bergen. We're going to talk about electronic literature, the electronic book review, and Joe's work in the field. Make sure to follow us on social media by searching your favorite network for the Center for Digital Narrative to keep up to date with our next episodes. You can find us on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Thank you for listening. Thank you.